Welcome to the CSCC podcast. In this podcast, you will grow in faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you tune in to the Word of God. Amen. We may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for the worship team. Amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Greetings in the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. First and foremost, I would like to acknowledge the bishop, the senior pastor, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you so much for trusting me with this platform. I'm really greatly honored and humbled, amen. And the husband, amen. It's always good to see you, amen. And all the other pastors that are here, amen. God bless you, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I, I was once here. Hallelujah. You know, being a youth, this is what kept me. Amen. This is what kept my life from a whole lot of things that could have happened to me. Amen. This, this, was, this was my life. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm talking about the Friday nights and youth service. It was my, uh, my life. Amen. I really enjoyed my youth days. Glory be to God. My youth days were key, were, were lovely. Amen. And, and uh, the Lord even blessed me with a wonderful wife. Hallelujah. But now I've got a beautiful wife. I've got an amazing wife. Amen. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. Even if I have to say so myself. Amen. The Lord has blessed me with a wonderful wife and uh, two amazing boys. We thank the Lord for them. Amen. I don't want to waste too much time. I see the counter is already there. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to acknowledge the Mafulos. Amen. They joined. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord. Amen. And Lesero. Amen. They are here. We just want to thank God for them. Amen. I'm going to rush because there are a lot of scriptures, a lot of things that I want to address before we, 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 we close this teaching. Amen. So please bear with me. And also, please make sure that you, you take some notes. Amen. It is important that we take the word of God serious. These things where, where we are Christians, but we cannot account to what we believe. Christians are most people that cannot account or defend their belief. Amen. You must be able to defend what you believe concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Why are you saved? You know, when, when people say, why are you saved? You mustn't just say, because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be able to quote scriptures verbatim. This is what the Bible says, and because of the scriptures, therefore I'm saved. Amen. That's my boy. Don't worry about him. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we, we, we must become, in fact, the word disciple means a student. Amen. So we must become the student of the scriptures. Amen. We must be, when, when we come to the word of God, we must be very serious because the word of God equips us and informs us about God and what he thinks about us. So in the absence of Bible study, now you are left to assume who God is. And now you are in a dangerous place. So a Bible study informs you of who God is and what he thinks about you. Or the Bible study helps you to know who God is and what he has accomplished and fulfilled and made available for you. Are you listening to me? The Bible says my people perish because of lack of? Let's say it again. My people perish because of lack of? It's amazing that the Bible doesn't say my people perish because of lack of prayer. It didn't say but my people perish because of lack of worship. But my people will perish because of lack of? 
Because it is knowledge that will make you pray correctly. It is the knowledge that will make you worship correctly. So in the absence of you might be worshiping or pray or be called a prayer warrior, but you are praying amiss because you lack the knowledge of what you are praying for or who you are praying to. Somebody say knowledge. So it is a knowledge of the scriptures that enables us and it helps us to understand who God is. It, is. it is your responsibility as a believer to know what the scripture says. Your responsibility. Responsibility of the pastor is to make available the resources or teach you the basic knowledge of the scriptures. But it is your responsibility to go back home, search the scriptures to find out what they are saying. I tell the people in our church that it is not enough, amen, to hear the scriptures on Sunday or Bible on Sunday. Hallelujah. It's not enough. You must be a student of the word. You must become a disciple. You must have a willing to know and to want to grow in the things of God. Hallelujah. And also, it must, it's, it's very important. Bazalan, let me tell you this. Né? As much as you hear a lot of teachings, make sure that whatever teaching you hear, you go back and study to find out what the pastor is saying. Those things are really in the Bible. Because if you are ignorant of the, of the scriptures, there are charlatans out there who will take you for a ride. So it is not enough to hear what the pastor is saying. Go back home, say the scriptures, find out that what the pastor was saying, is it really in the scriptures? Hallelujah. What helped my life to grow spiritually is that I ask questions. When I study the scriptures, when I listen to the Bible, or a preacher preaching, I ask questions. I ask questions, but what about that scripture? What about that verse? What, what, did this, what does this thing mean? Amen. You know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going out of, all right. This evening, we're quickly going to talk about seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. Somebody say, seek first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Every revival or a move of God in history is marked by unusual devotion to God. Every revival, every move of God in history is marked by an unusual devotion to God. So if you are, if you are still doing the same thing, the same way, amen, you, you know, you're not interested in the things of God, you will never see much. But every person that brought a move of God is because they started doing unusual things. Hallelujah. They were hungry for God. They started praying more. Amen. If you want to do great things for God, or even in this world, you have to do more than an average person. Hallelujah. You have to. You have to. It is your responsibility. Amen. And also it is because of your relationship with God. Glory be to God. Amen. Let's read this following scriptures and then we'll be praying. Okay, let me pray first. Father, we bless you for your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Father, I pray that may the eyes of our understanding today be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of your glorious inheritance. Father, we want to know this riches of your glorious inheritance today and to know, Father, the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believes according to the mighty working of the power which you have wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead. In Jesus' name, I have prayed. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. I'm going to rush. Amen. 
Matthew 6, 33, it reads as follows. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. All these things. Amen. All these things. Luke 17, 20 to 21. Luke 17, 20 to 21, it reads as follows. Verse 20. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees, when is the kingdom of God would come? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Hallelujah. Amen. So, if you read your Bible, you will see that the Bible uses the word kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Inter uh, interche what? Interchangeably. Something like that. Amen. Meaning that the word, when you use the word the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, is the same thing. It's just that the writers were addressing different audience. One kingdom of God is addressing the Gentiles. The other, the kingdom of heaven, like Matthew would say, is addressing the Jews who, don't, who, when, who prefer not to say the kingdom of, who prefer not to use the word God, so they would rather use heaven or rather Yahweh, amen. But they would rather prefer to use the word heaven, amen. So it is the same thing, amen. So today, this evening, quickly, what we are going to do, we are going to try to answer two questions, Amen. How do I seek first the kingdom of God? How do I seek first the kingdom of God? Because, because many times we are told as, as, as a believer says, seek the kingdom of God, Bazalwani. But how? How, what, you know, where do I look for it? In layman's term, where do I look for it? And how will I know if I have found it? How will I know if I have found it? Or, you know, because when you, when you seek for something, you must be rest assured that you are going to find it. Are you listening to me? Else you are seeking in vain. Amen. So you must know, okay, I'm seeking the kingdom, which means I might or I'm going to find it. You can't seek for it. We can't be told, go, go look for a treasure and knowing very well that there's no treasure. So meaning that if they say, seek if it's the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added, it means that this kingdom can be found. So how do I seek it? Number two, so the second question is, uh, where is the kingdom? Where is it? Amen. There are misconception about this, which we are going to try to, to answer. Amen. And also, there's a, there, 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 there's a reason, Bazalwani, there's a reason why in the book of Matthew, Jesus is saying, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. There's a reason. Amen. He says, he's talking to the Jews. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. And the reason is because he's talking to the Jews, number one. Amen. And the Jews were very much familiar with this language. So the kingdom, or rather importantly, the kingdom was not a new language to the Jews. It is something that they were aware of. So Jesus did not come up with a, a new language that they did not understand or a new revelation that they were not familiar with. So when he was saying to them, these Jews, seek if the kingdom of God and his righteousness, they were very much aware of what the kingdom is, but they, were, they had a distorted understanding of it. So Jesus is coming now to realign or to bring understanding of what this kingdom is all about. He's teaching them. Amen. They misunderstood it. 
And one of the reasons why they misunderstood what the kingdom is all about is because they were under the Roman Empire. So to them, being under the Roman Empire, they were looking for the kingdom that God has promised. I'm going ahead, but it's going to be good. Stay with me. It's going to be good in a minute. Amen. Say somebody's going to be good. It's going to be good. Hallelujah. I promise you it's going to be good. So now they were under the Roman Empire, and now they were looking for a kingdom to overthrow the Roman Empire. So that's why they were very much eager to know about this kingdom, because they were under oppression of Rome. All right? So they're looking for the kingdom. So Jesus comes into the scene because they have a distorted knowledge of view, because we, you know, we can preach the gospel out of our own desire, not what the scriptures is teaching. We can preach the gospel out of our own needs, not out of what the Bible is already teaching. We can make the gospel what we want it to be, not what, the, what God intended it to be. We can make the gospel out of our experiences, not out of what God is saying. Hallelujah. Your experiences, if, let me put it like this, the scriptures defines your experiences. But your experiences don't define the scriptures. The scriptures defines your experience. Meaning that if you say, I saw an angel, I felt one, two, three, we are going to look for what you felt in the scriptures. If it is not in the scriptures, we put it aside, Lord, God bless you. Because your experiences don't define what the Bible says. But what the Bible says must define your experiences, meaning our experiences as believers comes from the scriptures. Alright? Stay with me, it's going to be good. I feel it. Amen. Oh yes. Oh yes, it's going to be good. But before we go into this understanding why Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, it is important that we know that um, Jesus was born under the law. Or in the law. Jesus was born in the law. Hallelujah. Say Jesus was born in the law. Jesus was born in the Old Testament. When I do the quiz test, I like asking this to Christians. When was Jesus born? New Testament or Old Testament? New Testament. Jesus was born in the Old Testament. The book of Galatians. 4 verse 5. Galatians 4 verse 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of the woman, born under the... Okay? When the fullness of time has come, what, what did God do? He sent forth his son. When was his son born? Born of a woman and born where? Under the law. Why? Verse 6, verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law that they might receive the adoption of sons. So Jesus was born in the Old Testament. Another scripture. Um, another scripture. Luke chapter 2 verse 42. So Jesus was born under the law to announce the gospel of salvation. To properly teach the gospel of salvation. Amen. Luke chapter 2 verse 42. And when he was 12 years old, talking about Jesus, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. So they took Jesus to, the, to Jerusalem because there was a feast 
maybe a feast of tabernacle, a feast of Passover, because they were celebrated under the law. Because they were a type and shadow of what Jesus would fulfill. And he is a reality of what they were celebrating. Jesus, the fulfillment of the Passover, of the Pentecost, of the, you know, the, 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 the fruit of the harvest, or, you know, all those things. Hallelujah. So Jesus was celebrating those to show that he was under the law. He was born in the Old Testament. I'm just quick, quickly laying a strong and good foundation. Hallelujah. It takes, Bazalon, it takes the blood to establish a covenant. It takes the blood to establish a covenant. Hallelujah. It took the blood. The okay, I'm going ahead of myself, but the covenant you and I are in, it was not established by the blood of an animal. It was established by the blood of Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament was established by the blood of animals. Hallelujah. Amen. And now, when we talk about the New Testament, when we are saying the New Testament, it's because we are talking about, I'm going ahead of myself, when Jesus had died and resurrected. The New Testament starts after the resurrection of Jesus. The New Testament starts after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, to, ah, all right, relax, relax. I'm chasing time here, amen. Chill. All right, to say that Jesus was born under the Old Testament, what I'm saying is this. When Jesus was born, the only books that were available for him to study was Genesis to Malachi. So now when he's talking about the kingdom of God, his only reference about the kingdom of God is Genesis 2. There was no book of Matthew to Revelation. The book of Matthew and Revelation were only written years after Jesus resurrected. Years after Jesus has resurrected. Theologically speaking, the New Testament does not start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Theologically speaking, the New Testament starts with Romans, the epistles. That is the New Testament. Up to the book of Jude. That is what we call the New Testament books. That were, that, those were letters that were written to the church. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are historical books about the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. All right? So now, for New Testament to, to be at play or to be available, the blood was supposed to be shared. John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40. I'm just laying a foundation quickly. John 5, 39 to 40. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you refuse to come to me. Hallelujah. So when you see the word scripture, scripture, wherever, especially in the epistles, in Romans, in Galatians, in Ephesians, if you see the word scripture, it has nothing to do with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Romans. No, no, no. It's talking about the word scripture means Old Testament writings. The word scripture. It means Old Testament writings. So when you are dealing with scripture, you are dealing with what? Old Testament books. Genesis 2, Revelation. 
Alright? That's where Jesus preached and spoke from. Amen. Now, here Jesus, he's going to establish a, a new covenant. Stay with me. Second Samuel chapter 7. Oh, rather, sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 28. Matthew 26, verse 28 says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. This is what? The blood of the new covenant. So new covenant is established by the blood of? So when you were still alive, there was no new covenant. It was only what? Old covenant. Amen. Let me just deviate for two seconds. Who is the last prophet of the Old Testament? John the Baptist. Not Malachi. John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the, old, is, is the last prophet of the Old Testament. Not Malachi, but John the Baptist. He's the last prophet. Hallelujah. Luke 22 verse 20. Luke 22 verse 20 it says likewise he also took the cup after the supper saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood so it takes the blood to establish a covenant and the new covenant is established by the blood of Jesus it is only after he resurrected shed his blood buried and resurrected that the new covenant is at play Let me put it like this. When Jesus was walking on the earth, there was no salvation. There was no salvation. No one was saved. They were looking for salvation. As long as Jesus was on the earth walking and fishing and doing everything with them, there was no salvation. Salvation was a promise. And he, that's why he's, he's coming to teach about the kingdom to prepare their mind because they are looking for something they don't know about and he's coming to, to realign their mind and thinking because he, we just read Luke chapter 1 verse 77 that he is a prophet who's going to do what? Who's going to teach his people concerning salvation. So he's teaching about salvation. The whole ministry from uh, John, Mark, Luke and uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John when Jesus is teaching, he's teaching believers about salvation. I'm deviating for two seconds. Amen. I'm watching the time, but for two seconds, listen to this. When Jesus was saying, even in the beatitude, amen. Blessed is they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the... Their hunger and thirst are terms that are used for salvation. Thirst, hunger are terms used for salvation. Now listen to me and listen to me very well. Once you are saved, you can't be hungry anymore because the hunger was filled by the one you are looking for. You can't be saved and say, I'm thirsty for God because the thirst has been quenched. The reason he's talking about the thirst is because they were looking for salvation which was to come. When he resurrected, he fills all our hunger. Come unto me, those who do what? Who hunger and? Why do we come to him for salvation to be filled of the hunger we are having? So Christians, if you don't know what you have, chances are that you will be asking God for the things he has already given to you. 
If you don't know what you have, you'll spend the rest of your life begging, praying, fasting to God, asking for the things that you have already. But because my people perish because of lack of? Amen. Stay with me, it's going to be good. It's very important to remember that Jesus was born under the law and in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. And the books he used as a reference of his preaching were the Old Testament books. Hallelujah. When we preach, when we preach, we don't come up with our own information and knowledge. When Jesus was preaching, he had reference. We preach from the reference of the books that are already written. We don't come up with our own gospel. We don't come up with our own message. We don't come up, I don't care how you feel. If it is not in the scriptures, those feelings will die. But the word of God will stand forever. So Jesus did not come up with his own message. He preached what was prophesied of him already. But he's preaching to the people who are not born again. Bear that in mind. As long as Jesus was walking the earth, there was nobody born again. None. But they were looking for salvation. Hallelujah. All right. The word kingdom was not a new term to the Jews because it is what they were waiting for. They've been looking for the kingdom. They've been anticipating the kingdom. Why are they anticipating the kingdom? Because this kingdom that Jesus is teaching now to them in Matthew 6 is a kingdom that they have read about in Genesis and Malachi. That God says, I will establish my kingdom. So now let's look at the Old Testament books to find out this kingdom. Second Samuel. I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I'm going to read just a few. Second Samuel chapter 7, 12 to 16. Second Samuel 7, 12 to 16. New King James. And when your days are fulfilled, talking to David here, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Old Testament. I will establish what? His? Verse 13, and he, and he, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish a throne of his kingdom for? We know that this was a prophecy that was, directly to, was directed to Solomon. Amen. But it was indirectly talking about Jesus Christ. Because we know very well that the kingdom of Solomon is not forever. It has collapsed. The temple is destroyed. Only the kingdom of Jesus Christ is. Isaiah chapter 9, 6 to 7. We are almost done. We are almost done. We're going to pray for the sick. <laughs> We're going to pray for the sick. Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. For unto us a child is born, talking about Jesus, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his So this kingdom thing was very familiar. It was a language of the Jew. 
They were anticipating it. They were waiting for it. They were praying for it. But they had a distorted understanding of it. Because of the oppression, they wanted a, a, a ruler that would rise up to overthrow via a war. To overthrow Rome. That's what, oh, I'm going ahead. But that's why Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not about observation or there, there is it or there is it. Because he's trying to tell them that you're not going to hear a marching or, 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 or riot that are happening to overthrow this one. Because the kingdom of Jesus is different from the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of Jesus functions on one strong foundation. Love. The kingdoms of this world function on one foundation. War. Jesus doesn't function on war. Even when they were going to kill him, he restored an ear of a man that, Dave, that Peter cut his ear off to show that I'm not about war. My fight is not about swords and guns. My, hallelujah. I'm not going to establish my kingdom like you do. Mine is based on love. I love my enemies. I even love the people that want to kill me. Because the Bible tells us in, the, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, love will always win. So the kingdom was not a new thing to them. Last scripture about the kingdom, Exodus 19.6. Exodus 19.6. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Do you see that? So from Genesis, from Exodus, and all the other prophets in the scriptures are busy prophesying about the kingdom that is to come. People are excited about the kingdom that is to come. But they, they have a wrong view and understanding of this kingdom. But when they know the kingdom, Jesus is not I don't lift my hands. I get, guys, for me, this is powerful. Let me say this, because if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Look at, if you want to know how the Father is, look at Jesus. Look at how Jesus treats men. If you want to know how God is, look at Jesus by the things he said and by the things he did. You can tell who God is. So God is not out to destroy any human life. He's out to save every human life. That's why Jesus never lifted up his hand against human beings. Because he's there to save and not to destroy. Doesn't matter how cruel the person is towards God. God will not destroy that person. It is not God who destroys human lives. It is sin and death that destroy human lives. Not God. We can't have two enemies. One side, sin and death is destroying me. The other side, God is destroying me. Then who is a savior between the two? So now there's only one savior. Who, come to destroy, who comes to save me from what is destroying me for eternity? Jesus Christ. But he, if he behaves like the enemy has been behaving, then who is he? If, God, if I'm saved by this God, who can do what the Satan was doing unto me before God saved then who's the enemy and who's the savior? God can never do to you what the enemy has always been doing to you. He will never. I'll drink to that. The Jews were waiting for the fulfillment of this kingdom through the coming Messiah. I repeat, the Jews were waiting for the fulfillment of this kingdom through 
the coming Messiah. But the Messiah came, but they did not understand and see him. So Jesus had to teach these people to show them who and how the Messiah would behave, how do you live, and how will he establish this kingdom. But these people, but, but, but stubborn. They wanted their way. And this is a problem. Even today, we want people who want to be saved their way, not God's way. If you're not saved God's way, you're not saved at all. You can't say I'm saved, I believe in Jesus, and I believe in Majors. That's not God's way. You can't be, be saved your own way. It's either his, his way or the highway. Luke 13, we are reading from 18 and 20. Luke 13, we are going to read verse 18 and then skip and go to verse 20. And they said, what is the kingdom of God like? They're asking Jesus, what is the kingdom of God like? And to whom shall I compare it? Verse 20. And he said, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? You see, Jesus is very smart. He's asking these people who have a distorted view and understanding of the kingdom just to hear how they think. He knows, they're like, okay, how is the kingdom? What shall I liken unto it? What do you think about the kingdom? So that he can clearly channel their thinking. Because Jesus knew very well that the Jews are looking for this thing and they are waiting for it. Amen. And also in return, amen, in return, they ask Jesus, when is it coming and where is it? The Pharisees, they asked, where is this kingdom? Let's look at Luke chapter 17. We're reading from verse 20 to 21. This is the verse we read earlier. Now listen to, this is important. This is important here. Because we are going to demystify what Jesus was teaching here. Okay? Luke 17, 20, 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered. The Pharisees, who's asking? Let's say it together. We are students of that. Who's asking? They're asking Jesus about the kingdom, isn't it? The Pharisees. They're asking. And he answered and said, Jesus is answering. He answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, verse 21, nor will they say here, see here, or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. All right? The kingdom of God is? We are going, now we are going to answer the question, where is the kingdom of God? Are you ready? We are going to answer the, the question, where is the kingdom of God? Now ask yourself this question. We are students of the scriptures. Who was asking Jesus about the kingdom? Who? The Pharisees. And what did Jesus teach us about the Pharisees? What did he teach us before in the scriptures about the Pharisees? Let's look at the scriptures. Matthew 23 verse 15. <clears throat> Matthew 23 verse 15, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites. Ah. 
Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. And he says what? Hypocrites. Amen. All right? So the Pharisees are what? Hypocrites. Luke 12, verse 1. Luke 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trembling one another, he began to say to his disciples, Beware of the living of them, which is, which is hypocrisy. Which is hypocrisy. John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse, verse 44. We're just going to read just one line there. You are the father of the devil. You are, the, you are of your father, the devil. Talking about the Pharisees. You are of your the devil. So we investigate, we're now investigating John 17. All right? John 17 says, keep John again. The kingdom of God is within you. Here's, here's my question to this verse. How can Jesus say to a people that are not born again that he calls hypocrites, that he calls the, 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 they, are of the, uh, they are of their father, the devil, and he says unto them, the kingdom of God is within you. How can the kingdom of God be in a people that is not born again? How can the kingdom of God be in a people that is considered to be Pharisees? Let's look at another verse. Different translation, but of the same book. Different translation. I believe Jesus was not talking about them. Let's look at this verse. Because the kingdom cannot be in anybody that is not born again. They were not born again. Same verse. But put translation here. Uh, N-A-S-B. Luke 17, 20, 21. N-A-S-B. Now he was questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with a sign that can be observed. Nor will they ask, look here, is it or there is it? For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst or amongst you. Why? Because he is the one who's going to establish the kingdom, but they fail to see that he is the one. He is the Messiah, the one we are looking for. And he's going to establish the kingdom that was being prophesied through all the prophets and the Old Testament. It can't be them that have the kingdom within them. Because how can a corrupt person like that have the kingdom? So if they have the kingdom that is within them, what was the purpose of Jesus coming to establish the kingdom that was already within them? But Jesus is saying, I am come, I am the one, look at me. The kingdom you are looking for is in your midst. Look at this boy right here. Jesus says, not me. Jesus is speaking of himself. Who is in the midst of them? But they fail to recognize who he is. They fail to recognize that the kingdom has come in the person of Jesus Christ. That he is the one who will establish this kingdom. Let's establish this point further. Very important. Very, very important. Christ's kingdom could not be within them since the scriptures. Listen to this. The kingdom of God cannot be within the Pharisees. 
Since the scripture always portrays people entering the kingdom. Not the kingdom entering the people. We enter the kingdom. The kingdom does not enter us. A child is born in the kingdom. The kingdom is not born in the child. You are a child of the kingdom because you were born into it. The scriptures always portrays people entering the kingdom rather than the kingdom entering the people. Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. NRV translation. Matthew 5, verse 20, NRV translation. I'm reading from NRV. Thank you, sir. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom. The scriptures are clear. We are not coming up with our own gospel. We are just looking into the scriptures to say what the scriptures are saying and then we say what the scriptures are saying. I'm not inventing my, my own gospel here. This is what the scriptures say. Let's read again. Matthew 5 verse 20. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So you enter. It doesn't enter you. Hallelujah. Matthew 23 verse 13. Matthew 23 verse 13. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's face. You yourself do not enter. You yourself do not enter. Nor will you let those enter who are trying to. So we enter the kingdom. Hallelujah. We enter the kingdom. John 3 verse 5. John 3 verse 5. We are about to close. We're closing in five minutes. John 3 verse 5. NIV says, Jesus answered, Verily I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom unless they are born of the water and of the spirit. So the, the scriptures clearly teach us that the kingdom is not within the Pharisees because the, the, the kingdom cannot otherwise, what we are saying is that the kingdom is, is inside of everyone that is not born again walking this earth. That's what we are saying inevitably. But Jesus was pointing to himself. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus will always point unto himself as the Messiah. As the one who came as a promised one. Why? So that people, that's why he says in Luke chapter 24. He says, you said the scriptures. Amen. You said the scriptures thinking that you'll have eternal life. But yet you refuse to come to me. You refuse to come to me. Why? Because he says, I am the one who will give you eternal life. I am the one who will establish what? The kingdom. Are you listening to me? We enter the kingdom. Guys, you will never hear even in the earthly talk that somebody went somewhere to England and the kingdom entered that person and they came back, now they call themselves a kingdom, a citizen. No, they enter the kingdom. 
and they're given a new name, say bricks or whatever. Are you listening to me? Why? Because I enter the kingdom. Oh yeah, it's going to be good in a minute. In conclusion, we are going to answer the last question. How do I seek first the kingdom of God? How do I seek first the kingdom of God? Ask yourself this question, who is he talking to? When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be, and who is he talking to? He's talking to the Jews. And that time the Jews are not saved. Hallelujah. He's not saved. The gospel is about salvation. If we make the gospel anything other than the salvation of man, we have missed the gospel. If we apologize a lot of things except the salvation of man, we have missed what the gospel is all about. Matthew 16.33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. How do I seek the kingdom of God? I'm not going to be long, we are done. I want to pray for a few people and then we are done. How do I seek the kingdom of God? John is going to tell us. I'm not going to tell you. It is John Arabot. John chapter 3. <laughs> John chapter 3. We are going to read verse 3 and then jump to verse 5. Verse 3. Jesus says, Verily I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are seek the kingdom. How do I see? Nobody can see what? Unless they are? What you are seeking, you will not see it unless you are born again. Seeking first the kingdom of God, you will not see it unless... So the seeking of the kingdom of God or the reception or the coming of the kingdom of God, it comes through what? Being born again. Hallelujah. Drop the mic. <laughs> no one can see what you are seeking unless you are born again. You can't see, you are seeking it, I know, but you can't see it unless you are. You got it. You got it. Verse 5. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, no one can enter. You can't see it if you're not born again. You can also enter into it if you're not born again. Because those who enter this kingdom you are seeking, you can only go into it and have it through salvation. Unless you are saved, you will seek the kingdom until kingdom come. But if you are saved, listen to me, if you are saved, you are a kingdom citizen. You are not seeking the kingdom. You are not seeking it. Because what you've been seeking, you have found. Where is it found? In Christ. My salvation is. You are not know, you're a believer, a born again believer does not seek the kingdom. They have entered the kingdom. The only thing needed for a believer is to know how to live and function within the kingdom. Today we have the world and the Christians seeking the kingdom. But none of them can account to say we have found the kingdom. But if 
Even those who have the kingdom don't know they have the kingdom because they don't know what they have. If you don't know what you have, you'll spend the rest of your life asking and seeking for what God has already given to you in Christ Jesus. So seeking the kingdom was a way to teach people about salvation. And once you are saved, Jesus was trying to tell them, once you are saved, all your needs are supplied by the kingdom. You don't work for your needs. Your needs are the problem of the king. You are the kingdom citizen. It is the concern of the king to worry about you. Your worry is to know what is available for you in the kingdom. Because if you don't know what is available for you in the kingdom, you will behave like a thief in the kingdom. You will be poor in the kingdom. You will be, it is a, that's why it says sick, oh yeah. It says, it says what? It says all these things shall be added unto you. Because it is the kingdom supplies, the kingdom supplies to you. Bazalani, you can't do anything for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is established. It's all right. It's sharp. You can't do anything for it. The king is already on the throne. He's high and lifted up. He's powerful beyond measure. But then you as a representative of the kingdom, you are failing the king. Because you have become a prodigal son. Who's living with the pigs? But yet you are the son of a king. A kingdom citizen. Being a, a twin brother or sister of a, ki- a pig. And you see that we are misrepresenting the kingdom of God. Because we don't know whose we are. We don't know whose or who are saying. Whose we are. Once you know who you belong to, you live with confidence. You pray with confidence. You pray with confidence. Why? Because you know that Basalani, we are the only people as Christians. We are the only people who serve a living God. Only, only, our prayers should be more exciting because you are praying and talking to a person who's alive. There's a person who's praying to a wood or a candle, but they've got so much faith than you and excitement. They are so committed to that slave than you. They are so committed to that thing that cannot even talk to they, they, they are so committed to a God that they have created to provide for them. And the God who created everything that you are saving that is inside of you. Ramatialite, we are not committed, we are not serious. We treat him like a magician. We treat him like a Father Christmas. Lord is December. I need new sneakers. Otherwise, talk to my wife in a dream then. You know? Why? (laughs) But this is burning to me. 
It is burning to me because I am born of God. I'm, clo- I'm done. I am born of God. Filled by the spirit of God. Washed by the blood of Jesus. Indwelled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I am complete in him. I walk in the resurrected life of Christ. The creator of the heavens and the earth is forever with me. But my prayer life is not serious. My commitment to him is flippant. I grew up again. It's it's. But there's a friend you have that is committed to that cloth, that box. They know that I don't care where I'm going. If this thing is in my pocket, there's no accident. I am going to pass. They believe it with everything in them. You and I, kingdom citizens, we want, we are still seeking the kingdom. How far are you with seeking this kingdom? Are you there? I'm there. I'm in the kingdom. I found it. Christ is the establishment and the fulfillment of the kingdom. There's no kingdom that is coming, but the kingdom is here. Okay, there is a final kingdom that, that will be established in the inauguration of it in his coming. But the power of his resurrection is in us. I'm closing with this. I want to give you scriptures. A born again believer is not seeking the kingdom. They are found because you cannot see the kingdom unless you are. You cannot enter the, the, the kingdom unless you are born of the water and the spirit. Hallelujah. Say I have found the kingdom. I'm living in the kingdom. I'm a kingdom citizen. The kingdom pays for my studies. This church is raising leaders. I'm telling you, you guys are leaders. You are leaders in your own right and in in your own sphere. Hallelujah. You are, there are leaders in this house. I'm telling you, you know, if I had to prophesy, I would say you are a leader, you are a leader. All of you, you are leaders. You are, you are a leader. Hallelujah. you are raising leaders in this house. And these leaders are going to push you to be the pastor of pastors. To be a pastor of businessmen and women. To be a pastor of people in the marketplace. In the name of Jesus. I bless everybody here because you are leaders. Father God, I pray for Muruti Muliki. I pray for his wife. I pray for Muruti, Muruti Muliki's children and the church as a whole. Father, preserve him, bless him, protect him in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that you revive him. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on all our social media platforms and stay plugged in. CACC, building a servanthood community where no one stands alone.